Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's news impacting the precious metals markets. It's Friday, February 17th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Garbage in, garbage out. You've probably heard this phrase in connection with computer systems. The output a computer gives you is only as good as the inputs that are programmed into the computer to begin with. Well, the same is true for government formulas. And I suspect there's a lot of garbage going into the formulas that government agencies use to calculate various economic metrics from CPI to employment to retail sales to GDP. Now, I'm not saying the data is useless. I mean, it's what we've got to work with. But you really need to make sure you're digging deep into the numbers and that you understand the biases along with the way the data is manipulated. Don't just go with the headlines you get from these data releases. You know, whatever CNBC or the Wall Street Journal or Fox Business, you know, the stuff that they say. Don't just go with it because most of the times the headlines are at best giving an incomplete picture and at worst, they're totally misleading. This is especially important to take into consideration if you're investing for the long haul. The markets move on the headlines. So if the headlines are wrong, the markets are probably going to be wrong too. I mean, don't get me wrong. You can make money playing the short-term moves in the market, but it is risky. And even if that's your game, you still need to keep your mind focused on the longer term and the underlying dynamics because ultimately that's what's going to rule the day. So for this gold wrap, I want to dig into some of the big economic news of the week and look at it through the lens of garbage in, garbage out. So let's start with the CPI report that we got on Tuesday. As you'll recall, after the December Consumer Price Index came in cooler than expected, the mainstream was giddy. Inflation is over, they proclaimed. The Fed is winning the inflation fight, they cried. We're entering into a period of disinflation, they insisted. Well, the January CPI report threw cold water on that disinflation narrative. Every metric in the January CPI data came in hotter than expected. The 6.4% annual increase in prices that everybody bandied about on the news, the headline number, it was down a tick from the 6.5% increase we saw in December. Now, I talked about this before. The annual numbers, you should expect them to be decreasing to some degree because every month, one of the big prints from a year ago falls out of the calculation of the annual number. So as those big numbers fall out of the average, the average is going to fall down. So there's a little bit of math at work here. But regardless, if you go by the headlines, the Fed still seems to be on the right track as far as bringing price inflation down. Inflation is still trending downward was a phrase that I saw in more than one mainstream media report. But the headline number was still higher than the 6.2% increase in CPI that was projected, so hotter than expected. Now, if you look at the month-on-month numbers, the trending downward assertion 
has to be called into question. CPI was up 0.5% in January from December. This was the biggest month-on-month increase since last June. The expectation was for a 0.4% increase. Now, if you annualize January's month-on-month increase, 2023 inflation is on track to come in at around 6%. Basically where we are now, right? So still pretty hot inflation. Core CPI, which of course excludes the more volatile food and energy prices. Man, I wish I could figure out a way to exclude those from my budget. Anyway, core rose 0.4% month on month. The expectation was for a 0.3% increase. And on an annual basis, core CPI was up 5.6%. That was down, I believe, a tenth of a percent from the annual number we got last month. Now, I have to give my disclaimer. I give it every time I talk about the CPI. Keep in mind, inflation is worse than the government data suggests. Remember, garbage in, garbage out. They recalculated the CPI formula back in the 1990s to understate price inflation. Uh, So based on the formula that was used back in the 1970s, CPI is closer to double those official numbers. Parsing the data a bit more, the only price categories that fell in January were fuel oil, which is not seasonally adjusted, medical services, and used cars. Every other category charted an increase. In other words, you paid more for almost everything in January than you did in December. So yeah, so much for disinflation. After falling five out of the last six months, energy prices rose by 0.6%. That was driven by a 2.4% month-on-month increase in gas prices, so that energy relief we were getting, we're starting to uh, go the other way on that. Pundits and analysts, you know, they like to strip out energy prices because of their volatility, but again, it's not like you can strip them out of your budget. Uh, Shelter was up 0.7% month-on-month, and food prices rose another 0.5%. So, you know, the things that you are spending money on every day, those prices are still going up and going up at a rather rapid clip. Now, it's important to note that the headline CPI number, that 6.4%, that's more than three times higher than the mythical 2% target. So, you know, even taking these numbers at face value, We're still a long way from the victory on price inflation that the Fed bandies about the mythical 2% inflation, which, again, is one of these things that they've just pulled out of thin air. I mean, what's magical about 2% uh, inflation, 2% price inflation? Why should we want prices to go up 2% every single year? Well, I mean, I don't want my prices to go up uh, 2% every single year, and you know, I'd, I'd like for my uh, wages to go up every year, more than 2%, but I, I don't want the price of things I buy to keep going up. And for some reason, this is the magic of the economy, that prices are supposed to keep going up. It's, I don't know, it's kind of silly. Anyway, I digress. Market reaction to this report, that was pretty interesting. You know, there a lot of volatility in the stock market, which is what you would expect. As soon as the CPI came out, there was a big sell-off. But then it stabilized. And, and actually, like the NASDAQ uh, and, and the tech stocks, they were actually up slightly uh, on the day of the CPI release, which is kind of weird because, you know, the the narrative is that as long as CPI is running hot, 
And as long as the economy is running strong, the Fed is going to continue raising interest rates and continue tightening monetary policy, uh, which is you know not good for risk assets. And yet risk assets rallied. I don't really get that one. It was kind of odd. Um, and, and gold didn't tank on uh, Tuesday either. It didn't really start going down until Wednesday. And that, I think, was uh, more about the retail sales numbers than it was the CPI. You know, I, I think as far as the gold market goes, we're kind of at an equilibrium in terms of the way the gold market is responding to uh, inflation. You know, earlier in the year, or not earlier in, in the year, but going back to last year, uh, every time that the CPI would show a big increase, gold would sell off in anticipation of the Fed raising interest rates and tightening monetary policy and rising interest rates is bad for gold. Um, but I think we're seeing more people as we're still getting hot inflation numbers. I think we're seeing more people buy gold Um understanding that they need an inflation hedge, that they need to get out of dollars. Um, And while we still have a lot of the institutional investors that are selling uh, every time they think that the Fed may remain aggressive in the inflation fight. So kind of an equilibrium in the gold market. But uh, again, the retail sales numbers really push the price of gold down uh, as we've gone through the week. So we'll get into the uh, retail sales here in just a minute. Um, I think people, as they started to absorb the news, they got increasingly bearish. I mean, even if you believe inflation is pulling back, it's clear the Federal Reserve has not won the fight, right? Um, In fact, that wasn't the only bad inflation news this week. The producer price index was up 0.7% month on month. Um, And of course, that's the price that producers are paying for the inputs into their production process. Core PPI was up 0.5%. Both of those numbers were nearly double the projections. Uh, producer prices you know, are generally a leading inflation indicator. If companies are paying more, eventually, at least some of those higher costs tend to get passed on to consumers. That means high PPI will eventually show up in CPI down the road. So if, if prices are rising significantly for producers, you're going to see consumer prices begin to go up a few months down the road. In fact, Nestle announced yesterday that it plans on additional price increases this year. Quote, our gross margin is down about 260 basis points. That is massive. That is after all the pricing we have done in 2022, the company CEO said. So Nestle raised a bunch of prices last year and still uh, the inflationary pressure is cutting into their margin. And I'm sure Nestle is not alone in this. I mean, um, you know, they're a big player in the food sector. I'm sure others and other companies in other sectors are also struggling uh, with uh, similar cost increases for them. And of course, then there are the CPI revisions that came out the day before the actual CPI data were released. Now, nobody pays much attention to revisions, right? Um, you know, it's, that's not trumpeted all over uh, the headlines. But the CPI data for October, November, and December were all revised higher. Now, if you recall, last month uh, we were talking about December CPI, and we were told prices actually fell. 
uh, on a month-on-month basis. They didn't. Based on the revised data, prices actually rose 0.1% in December. Core CPI and services CPI were also increased uh, by a tenth of a, per- of a percent. Um, you might be asking yourself, why does the Commerce Department revise the data? Well, according to Reuters, quote, the revisions were the result of recalculated seasonal adjustment factors. The model used by the government to strip out the seasonal fluctuations from the data. Remember what I said, garbage in, garbage out. These seasonal adjustments They're just made-up numbers. They're just made-up formulas. They're guesses. They're estimates. And we're going to talk about uh, these seasonal adjustments a little more here in a minute when we get into the retail sales data. But wrapping up on CPI, as I mentioned, it is clear that the Fed has not won the inflation fight. That means the much-hoped-for pause in rate hikes seems to be much less likely. Now, you know, who knows? We could see more cooling in the data next month. I'm not going to go as far as Peter Schiff and predict that we've already passed peak disinflation, but I think you should probably expect the Fed to remain aggressive given the CPI data and some of the economic data that came out this week, and I think it will stay aggressive-ish. I mean, if you call what they're doing now aggressive, I mean, I I would argue that they're really not that aggressive in the inflation fight, given the extent of price inflation. I don't think they did nearly what they should have and could have. But, you know, kind of in the big scheme of things in in, in this environment, we'll call it aggressive, right? Um, I think they're going to stay that way until something breaks in the economy. That's really when we're going to see the shift. I think you're going to see things pretty much go on like this until something really breaks in the economy. We're going to see, you know, this this back and forth, this CPI cooling, is it not? And, uh, and eventually something's going to crack. Um, As far as the Fed's reaction, Dallas Fed President Lori Logan said, we must remain prepared to continue rate increases for a longer period than previously anticipated if such a path is necessary to respond to changes in the economic outlook or to offset any any undesired easing conditions. So she was one of several Fed officials who kind of came out after the CPI release and continued to be hawkish. And again, they don't have any reason not to be, right? Uh, Everybody says the economy's fine. We talked about that last week. Um, It's fine until it's not, but that's what everybody thinks. So as long as we have this environment, the Fed is going to continue to be relatively aggressive. Um, If we see a, a really significant cooling in CPI, then the Fed will back off. But I don't think you'll really see the Fed back off until something in the economy breaks. And, and we've talked about this before. I think that's uh, inevitable, if not soon. Here's the thing, though. No matter how the Fed plays this, make no mistake, disinflation is transitory. Even if the Fed manages to raise rates a few more times and force the CPI to tick down for a few more months, when the economy crashes, it will almost certainly declare victory and begin cutting interest rates. In other words, it's going to go back to creating inflation. At some point, whether it's this year or next year, they're going to go back to loose monetary policy. I've said this before. The U.S. economy is addicted to easy money. It's addicted to artificially low interest rates. It's addicted to quantitative easing and money printing. You can't 
take an addict's drug away without sending him into withdrawal. The economy can only limp along so long with this tighter monetary policy. And of course, you know, there's also the issue of federal government spending. Uh, Last Friday, we got the um, deficit for January, just four months into fiscal 2023. The U.S. federal budget deficit is already approaching half a trillion dollars. And, you know, even the Fed has conceded that it can't slay inflation with monetary policy alone. U.S. government fiscal policy contributes to inflationary pressures, and it makes it impossible for the Fed to really do its job with monetary policy. The Fed has admitted this. So you're not going to get sustained, significant relief from price inflation until the government quits borrowing and spending so much money. If you think that's going to happen, yeah, I got some oceanfront property in Arizona to sell you. But anyway, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the weekly data releases, but it's important to keep your focus on the fundamentals and the bigger economic picture. The fact is the Fed pumped trillions of dollars into the economy, really starting after the 2008 financial crisis, and then it doubled down during the pandemic. You know, some $8 trillion dollars. They've injected into the economy just through quantitative easing uh, since the 08 financial crisis. The price inflation we're experiencing today is a symptom of that monetary malfeasance. In order to alleviate the symptom, to alleviate the price inflation, you've got to undo the monetary malfeasance. The Fed can't fix this problem with some rate hikes and a little modest decrease to the balance sheet, you know, maybe decrease the money supply a little bit. That's not going to unwind this massive injection of liquidity. It needs to pull trillions of dollars out of the economy. It can't do it. But the attempts that they're making, the decrease in the money supply that we've seen, the higher interest rates, that is enough to crash the economy. That's why I think this sell-off in gold and silver every time that you know people think the Fed is going to keep tightening is, is ridiculous. Um, you're going to want to have hard assets when the doo-doo hits the fan. Um, and, and the fact that a lot of people don't get that um, is, is, is pretty, pretty telling. And, and again, I've talked about this before. Most of the selling is going on with the big institutional investors. And I think a lot of that is just computer-generated, profit-taking, playing, uh, you know, playing the peaks and valleys. We do know that there are a lot of people out there buying physical gold and physical silver. We've seen it in the gold demand statistics. Uh, Central banks uh, are piling in gold. So some people out there get it and they want the hard assets. But uh, I think there's still a lot of... um, Oh, what's the what's the word for it? Uh, A lot of wishful thinking that's going on out there in the uh, economic investment environment. Of course, the other big news this week was the big unexpected jump in retail sales uh, that came in at 3% in January. It was much stronger than expected after we had declines in the previous two months. It was actually the biggest monthly increase in almost two years. It's another one of those numbers. It's like this huge uh, jobs report that we got early in the month. You look at it, and you just look at the overall environment, and you, you kind of got to shake your head and say, this doesn't seem right to me, right? 3% jump in retail sales in January after the holidays, it, it just doesn't. 
it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's a weird number, and of course, uh, it's certainly not what anybody was projecting. Now, the mainstream financial media uh, immediately declared that this jump in consumer spending was a good sign for the economy. And of course, markets tanked, particularly gold, because if people are spending money, if the economy is still humming along despite all the Fed has done, well, that means the Fed can keep right on tightening and, you know, it's, it's still got to keep the inflation fight up. So you combine retail sales and uh, CPI. It's no wonder that we've seen the big sell-off in gold that we've seen this week. Um, that is your conventional wisdom thinking at work. But, you know, with this retail sales report, even again, if you take it at face value, there's a dark side to the report. You know, again, even if we take these retail sales numbers and say, yeah, absolutely accurate, no question, that doesn't mean everything is as rosy as the mainstream pundits would have you to believe. Some of the increase in retail sales was due to the 0.5% month-on-month increase in CPI in January. So you, you had... Uh, higher retail sales because things were more expensive. And of course, CPI or, or retail sales data is not inflation adjusted. It's just raw dollars. So if the price of something is going up and people are buying the same amount of stuff, uh, but they're paying more for it, that's going to show up as a rise in retail sales. So some of this month on month inflation, or I keep saying inflation, some of this month on month rise in retail sales was related to increasing price inflation. Um, Interestingly, if you look at the year-over-year retail sales, uh, they're up 6.4%, which is exactly the same amount as CPI has been up over the last year. In other words, on a year-on-year basis, you can attribute all of the increase in retail sales to price inflation. So that doesn't tell me that, ooh, the economy's great and the consumer's strong. If you look at the pattern in retail sales, it's pretty clear that price inflation has largely, if not completely, driven retail sales over the last year. Americans haven't been spending more money because they're confident about the economy, which is the, the headline you always get. They're spending more because they have to spend more. You have to go to the grocery store. You have to go to the gas station. You're going to spend more money because of price inflation. This is an involuntary spending spree, at least to a large degree. American consumers are spending hand over fist in an effort to keep up with surging prices. They're not necessarily getting more stuff. They're just shelling out a lot more money for the same amount of stuff they were getting before. In some cases, they're getting less stuff. This is not good for us, right? It's not good if you're having to spend more money, but you're not able to increase uh, your actual wealth and the amount of stuff that you have. It's actually showing weakness in the economy. But if we just focus on the monthly increase, it does appear that consumers opened up their wallets last month um, with spending outpacing price inflation. And this raises another important question. How do people pay for this shopping spree? And the most likely answer is they put it on their credit cards. You know, even with the uh, 1.8% decline in retail sales in December, uh, revolving credit, primarily reflecting credit card debt, grew by another $7.2 billion that month. That was a 7.3% increase. So it's going to be interesting to see how much revolving debt rose in January with this big increase in retail sales. I'll bet dollars to donuts that 
we'll see an even bigger jump in credit card debt given the amount of spending consumers did in January. And uh, we'll get that report uh, in the first week of March. The uh, consumer credit report is a two-month lag. So, yes, American consumers continue to support the economy by spending money today despite rising prices, but they're borrowing money to do it. And again, that's not exactly a sustainable economic model. That's not saying, ooh, the economy is strong. It's actually revealing underlying rot in the economy if you kind of sit back and think about it. Now, you'll also be shocked to learn that retail sales are seasonally adjusted. Notice the ongoing theme here. CPI, non-farm payroll, and retail sales are all seasonally adjusted numbers. Now, I talked about how hinky these adjustments uh, seem to be in the jobs data. I talked about that last week. Uh, With retail sales growing so much in January, again, you have to pause and say, huh, have seasonal adjustments struck again? I shared this quote by economist Murray Rothbard last week, but it's worth repeating. He explains why we should always be wary of government adjustments to data. He said, the further one gets from the raw data, the further one gets from reality. Garbage in, garbage out, right? He goes on, and therefore, the more erroneous any concentration upon that figure. Seasonal adjustments in data are not as harmless as they seem. For seasonal patterns, even for such products as fruit and vegetables, are not set in concrete. Seasonal patterns change, and they change in unpredictable ways, and hence seasonal adjustments are likely to add extra distortions to the data. That's why you see them going back and revising three months of CPI higher, because the seasonal data was inaccurate. And who knows if the revisions are even accurate? It's garbage in, garbage out. If the seasonal If these seasonal adjustments are trash, then all of the data has to be suspect, right? I mean, you don't have to be a tinfoil hat-wearing conspiracy theorist to think that if the government has a way to make things look better by playing fast and loose with math, it's going to do it, right? After all, most people just pay attention to the headlines. Hardly anybody notices the revisions of data down the road. You know, in the CPI data, they're revising stuff from 2018. And I bet a lot of you had no idea that they revised CPI upwards after the last three months. I mean, or for the last three months. You can't get away from knowing that, you know, CPI was what it was because it was all over every headline. But the but the revisions, they get buried on the back of page, you know, A21, for those of you who used to read newspapers. And, and I guarantee you, I mean, you folks are, are much more uh, aware of what's going on than, than the average person. This is an educated audience. I guarantee you the average person has no clue about revisions. So, again, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but always dig below the headlines. Always look at the bigger picture. Be skeptical of government numbers. You you can't throw them out. It's what we've got to work with. So, I mean, we can make some evaluations based on the government numbers, but you always have to be skeptical, especially when you start seeing big variations that just don't seem right. You know, like the jobs report in January, like this retail sales report. 
And always, always, always keep the fundamentals and underlying dynamics in mind. I hammer on this. I probably say it every single week that the economy is addicted to easy money. Therefore, if you're taking the easy money away, it's going to cause problems. That's an underlying fundamental dynamic that you always have to keep in mind. And then be prepared for the inevitable because, you know, what can't be sustained won't be. Uh, economics win in the end. So you got to keep that in mind. It's fine to work the markets as they're going along. It's fine to even, you know, play the daily swings. You can make money if you're good at it. I'm not, and I'm pretty risk averse. But that being said, you can do it. But in the long term, especially if you're saving for your retirement, you're trying to preserve your wealth, you want to keep the big picture and the fundamentals in mind. And one way to do that, of course, is to hold precious metals in your portfolio, gold and silver. And if you're interested in such things, or if you just want to talk to somebody about it, I highly encourage you to get in touch with a Shift Gold Precious Metals Specialist. You can call them at one 888 gold 160. You can email them at info at shiftgold.com or you can go to shiftgold.com, hit the getting started button and you can chat with a precious metal specialist right there. They're going to talk to you. They're going to look at your portfolio, your investment goals, uh, your risk, all of the things, all of the factors, because of course we're all different and we all have different goals and needs and we're different places in life. They'll look at that and help you figure out how precious metals might fit into your investment strategy. So do that today. With that, it's a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube channel, uh, Shift Gold's YouTube channel. Links to all of this stuff on the show notes page. You can contact me, M. Meharry, M-M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y at shiftgold.com. Love to hear from folks. I hope you have a great weekend, and we'll be back to talk to you again next week.